You're listening to PorchDrinking.com's The Porchcast, brought to you by ONTAP Credit Union. And now, The Porchcast. Brought to you by the Vail Craft Beer Classic. One of Colorado's best destination beer festivals is back this summer. Head to the mountains to join Porch Drinking at the Vail Craft Beer Classic, June 16th and 17th to enjoy over 35 incredible beverage producers across a two-day extravaganza featuring a pair of all-you-can-drink beer fest sessions. Enjoy some of the Front Range's best breweries paired with incredible mountain breweries you can't always try in the city. Plus, this year's fest features two days of live music, stunning scenic views, your chance to vote on the people's choice of best beer of the summer, and a keg bowling competition. Tickets are on sale now, plus if you use the promo code PORCH, P-O-R-C-H, you'll get 10% off your ticket. So grab your friends and plan for a long weekend in Vail this June. Alrighty, everyone, and welcome to episode 105 of the PORCHcast. I am very thrilled to be joined today by Ren Navarro of Beer Diversity. Ren, welcome to the show. Hi, Tristan. How's it going? I'm doing well. Um, It was great to get to see you just a couple weeks ago in person. Yeah, it's about time. Well, we're going to dive right into this. Uh, for those who are tuning in, um, we're, we're really excited to have Ren onto the show to talk a little bit about kind of the state of DEI in the craft beer industry. And, you know, part of this was also spurred on by um, the Craft Brewers Conference, which just took place about two weeks ago. Um, but before we get into it, we do have a couple sponsors that we'd like to thank. A big thank you to our friends at ONTAP Credit Union. ONTAP Credit Union isn't your average financial partner. They make banking as easy as enjoying your favorite beverage while providing great financial advice in a friendly and welcoming environment. With ONTAP, Colorado comes first, which is why they offer low loan rates for cars, homes, credit cards, and more. And with ONTAP's mobile app, you'll have instant access to your accounts, whether you're meeting friends at a local brewery out on the slopes or wherever your next adventure takes you. Member-owned, Colorado Proud, federally insured through NCUA. Find out more at ONTAPCU.org. Uh, we also want to give a big shout out to the payroll department, um, who has been proud to serve Colorado's many craft breweries for 30 years. We'll get into more about the payroll department halfway through the show. All righty, Ren. Um, thanks for joining us once again. Uh, you're located out in Ontario, Canada, am I correct? That is correct. Awesome. Well, um, you know, we've had the pleasure of having you on our sister podcast, The Boys Are From Mars and Podcast. And now I'm very excited and uh, frankly, it's been long overdue to have you on the PorchCast. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, tell us a little bit about beer diversity and everything that you do to help support DEI initiatives across North America. Uh, beer diversity just turned five, I think, about a week ago. So uh, it's it's Congrats. pretty wild. Yeah, thanks. It, uh, it started kind of as a, a side project, so it was a mistake. It definitely was not planned. And I had been working in beer for about five years at that point. And a lot of people just kept asking, like, how is it to be a Black queer woman in beer? And I was like, I don't know. I don't think about these things. And I mean, you know this, right? Like when people ask you, it's like, how is it to be you? And you're like, oh, great. I'm the only one. And so I started taking a look and really talking about it and just kind of asking the question of like, why is it when I go drinking, like it's you, me and our friends. But when I look into like sales and, the you know, the face of breweries, like it's not us. And so kind of asking that question and people were always like, well, I don't know how to talk to, you know, other groups or marginalized or underrepresented groups or, you know, kind of whatever the term is that you want to use. And so I really started asking some questions and saying like, why don't we just all talk about this? Yeah. Um, 
and, and not doing it in a way of like, you're doing this wrong. I think it's, I've always approached things as a very, what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I think that DEI is very scary for a lot of people. And I think that there, there are terms that are so nebulous that if you don't know it, you can't ask the questions. And I wanted to change that and, and have a company where it was, you could ask the questions sure. and, you know, I mean, we have, how many acronyms do we have and, <laughs> and how many of these pieces? So it was just like, let's just talk about this. And then when we talk about it, let's figure out action items and how to keep each other accountable and how to like figure out what happens when you mess something up. Like, don't just take your toys and go home. So that's been my approach to stuff. So I've been consulting with a lot of companies um, and over time have been doing things that aren't beer related. So it's been really nice to still talk about diversity and, you know, and equity in in however it looks and not just have it be in the alcohol sphere. But uh, that is how it started. And that's what I'm still working with. So Mm. You, you brought up something that I found was kind of interesting in that, you know, talking about DEI shouldn't seem like a scary conversation, you know. I, I think especially, you know, we think about the idea of community and and craft beer and and just being able to have, you know, easier conversations with each other around a great beverage. And um, but I, I do find that talking about DEI can can often stir up a lot of different emotions. And, you know, you have a lot of people who feel defensive about it, um, who might have a harder time, you know, breaking down some of the barriers and really getting at the heart of it. You know, I, I think I come from an interesting background. I, you know, I'm a Chinese guy, Chinese American, uh, born in Kentucky. Um, and, and a lot of people often ask me like, you know, what was it like growing up in Kentucky and, and being Asian in Kentucky? And, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I talk about is just being able to understand, you know, the struggles that, the, the people that I grew up around went through and, and being able to relate to some of those struggles and also share my story and, and kind of pair it with some of those struggles so that they can understand it in a, in a way that isn't offensive, isn't something that uh, feels foreign to them. I, I, don't, I don't want to give away too much because obviously what you do, you, you, you make money for, but tell us a little bit about how people might be able to, to open up some of these conversations casually and, and actually get to the heart of the matter. I think that we have to stop looking at it in in terms of divisions because mm-hmm. everyone talks about you know I I want to work with more black people I want to work with more you know people who are from the LGBTQ plus community I want to work with and it's like it's not it's not a checklist right like it's not some game of Pokemon where you gotta like collect them all <laughs> so I think that it really it starts with who surrounds you and who are you not talking to yeah. Um, because I think once we stop saying I want this kind of person in my area then it becomes not necessarily easier, but it becomes a little simpler to have those conversations because you're not looking specifically for a group of people who may not even exist in your area. Um, And I think that that's part of the conversation is to stop looking at it as the way that everyone thinks that they should look at it. Um, What you see in your area is, you know, might not be what I see in my area. And and we still say like, we want diversity of some sort. So I think that it's, um, remember that one size does not fit all. Yeah, I think that's that's really important and uh, super insightful. I also think that you know that question of, or or actually more more so the the idea of like we want diversity. I think that's something that I hear quite often, and um, I think that's something that breweries, you know, don't necessarily realize that 
you know, it's not as simple as, hey, how do we get more diversity in here? You know, it's yeah. not just like a, how do we flip that switch and make it happen? Um, I guess, how do you, for, for me, when I'm having those conversations, it, it, it really comes down to authenticity. Um, yeah. is, is that similar to kind of the conversations that you have? Yeah, and I think that also just like stop being afraid of making mistakes. Mm. You know, it's if I'm working with breweries, it's like how many batches of beer have you dumped? <laughs> and if you didn't dump it, did you put fruit in it and call it a sour? Like, yeah, so you found a way to like rejig stuff. We have to look at this the same way. And I think kind of getting people out of that, like, I'm too scared to make a mistake. And it's like, but you make mistakes all the time sure. because if it was perfect, you wouldn't even bother to try. Like, where's the fun in that? So I think that that is the big piece of, of going to it being like, yeah, I'm going to learn something new and I may not remember. And if I get it wrong, then how do I, you know, do I, do I fruit it? Uh, <laughs> or do I dump it? And then if you say I dump it, then like, you know, if you dump a batch of beer, there's obviously a meeting that happens to figure out what went wrong. Yeah. And so when it goes wrong with your diversity initiative, you have to have that meeting to like figure out what went wrong. And, you know, if, if it's the cellarman and the the brewer and the brewer's assistant who sit down to figure out what happened with that beer, then that's what you do with who was creating the initiative, not the people that you're trying to appeal to. Don't don't get the people that you wanted to market to to tell you what went wrong. You got to figure that part out yourself. Totally. Well, talking about what went wrong, um, you know, part of the reason, uh, unfortunately, why we're having this conversation in such a timely manner is that uh, you know we we. we alluded to the fact that you and I both got to meet up um, while we were in Nashville for the Craft Brewers Conference. And I, you know, that was definitely a positive in getting to see you in person. But, you know, it was really, uh, to me, you know, it, it was really frustrating seeing you uh, in, in such pain and struggling in the ways that could have been avoided. Um, you know, I, I know that it, it, for me, it felt a little bit as uh, kind of an inflection point for the industry. Um, where there was this perfect storm of a situation that began with uh, just kind of the background of the landscape of Tennessee at the time. Uh, you know, ten Tennessee as a state had made um, a lot of really horrific moves that really felt like it created a, you know, a, a less inclusive space for this conference to take place in. It began with abortion ban, expulsion of two Black House of Representative members and Justin Jones and Justin Peterson for protesting gun violence. Uh, the ban on drag performances, you know, a litany of other examples can be named. Um, you know, going into this conference, I know a lot of my uh, industry peers had brought up concern about whether, you know, having this take place in, in the state of Tennessee was going to create a safe space. We saw that there were, you know, many other instances that stemmed from this that, that really made many people, including yourself, feel unwelcome. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your experience? And, and you know, I, I, I don't want you to have to relive the trauma, but I do think it's important to share some of these experiences so that we can, like you said, learn from them, grow from them, and hopefully fix them down the line. Well, I, I think that the part of it, too, is that, you know, there were some, some grand expectations of folks who were attending that were well within their rights, and I do not disagree with any of it. Um, I think that the Brewers Association was remiss from the you know, from the jump, because they didn't say what was going on. Mm. Uh, they didn't acknowledge it. And, you know, they've kind of doubled down in some, some like letters and, and correspondence that have gone on since to say, well, we're a lobbying group, we don't do political. And it's like, people's lives aren't political. 
Yeah. Um, for me, what I wanted to hear was it's capitalism all along and we book our stuff years out in advance. You know, mm -hmm. I talk to people, I have friends who, who work for the BA um, who say, you know, stuff is booked like between two and five years in advance. Sure. And if they had said, we booked this like two or three years ago, and for us to, to change states is financially ruinous, I would have been like, cool. Even, like, even, and, it, and especially saying, because we all, we all know that that's, you know, on porch drinking, we knew Nashville yeah. was coming down the line three yeah. years ago. We published yep. that. Um, but to, to, I think the fact that there wasn't any sort of condemna condemnation of the, the political landscape of saying, you know, we, we, we don't believe that this is, a, you know, the state as a whole has created safe space opportunities. We're working as an organization to, to do so. I think that would have gone a long way. Am I correct? Yeah, I think so. And I think part of it too tells you what they think of their membership. Hmm. Um, you know, you have people who are, are affected by those those new laws that are coming through who pay membership dues and what you're telling them is i don't care sure. you know it i mean it immediately tells you who their target market is for membership and i think that's deplorable um i think that regardless of the country if this is how you run your brewers association you have bigger problems than what state or what province you're holding something in if you are ignoring you know a, a fairly large handful of your membership base um you know, so at that point I was already like, this is going to be my last one. Um, mm. You know, I, I like every, every like financial leader or like business coach will tell you, don't trust your gut. Uh, I live by my gut <laughs> and it wasn't feeling good like weeks before the conference, mm. um, but I couldn't pull out. Right. Cause you know, financial obligations, uh, I'm a company of one. And so I was like, I'm just going to try and make the best of it. I was doing two talks at the conference. It's a great networking for me. You know, I mean, the usual, right? Like, why do people go to conferences? Um, but I, I landed and I already wasn't feeling easy about things. Mm -hmm. uh, Sunday was great, which is Thrive, which is the DEI day, uh, which is about not necessarily having a DEI focus. I think, you know, some of the speakers are people that you would not normally see in the positions of speaking. So there is uh, diversity of the speakers, not just the topics. And it is a fantastic day. I do wish that it was integrated within the conference. Again, that's part of the problem that I see is that it gets its own pre-conference day, um, which this year was on a Sunday. Mm. And when I originally had my my talks approved, my flight was coming in on Sunday. Yeah. Because why would I think that I'm presenting on a on a Sunday? So like even that, right? Sure. Um, you know, and I don't want to throw shade at the board, but like. I'm gonna throw shade at the board. It's like, it's a lot of white people making decisions on things that just aren't going right. Well, to uh, me also just, I, I don't wanna skip past the thrive aspect of it because, you know, I've had many conversations about the fact that, you know, the fact that it is its own separate pre-conference yeah. also doesn't address a lot of the issues that I think membership faces in that, you know, a lot of the people who are taking the time to plan to at attend thrive to, pay money to attend Thrive, to go to these sessions specifically on a day before the actual conference starts are generally not the people that you're that really need this kind of programming. Correct? Yeah, and I think, you know, if we talk about like the socioeconomic diversity, like I, you're being asked to change your flight to go earlier, you're having to pay to attend Thrive because yep. it is a ticketed event outside of the conference and you're paying for an extra night of a hotel. Um, you know, for those of you who aren't traveling a lot, hotel prices are about triple what they were pre-pandemic per night. So it's expensive. Sure. So 
you know, so ironically, um, a lot of people are like, I can't afford to go. Mm-hmm. And it's much smaller. Mm-hmm. You know, it was 11,000 attendees for the conference. I think Thrive is between 200 and 350 people attending, um, which like, it's great. It's small, it's intimate. It means that there's like a lot more uh, thought and knowledge sharing. However, it was, you know, how many people are not are not there? Mm-hmm. Um so I think that, you know, there's there's a lot that's problematic with how things are set up. Um, you know, shout out to Dr. J, who's the diversity um, board member and runs all that stuff. Like, I just, I think that that alone could have been done so much better. Um, this is also my third year attending because some people were like, well, it's your first year, it's going to get better. And I was like, no, 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 this is my third year and I got worse. Um, <laughs> so, you know, so there was that, there were a couple problematic um, pieces that happened through the the conference before I even hit my problematic moment. So, you know, talking about how um, for the, the future of saving craft beer, like, you know, you got to talk to minorities and women and, you know, it's just, it's these things where they're just said by people who don't have the right to say things. It's done mm-hmm. in a flippant way. And it's just like, it's business. It's a lot about connecting. But when we talk about craft beer, everyone talks about these connections and this feel of community. And I think we're, we're really moving into the notion of craft beer being a gated community mm-hmm. and that you have to have an invite to come into that community to see someone. Um, you know, and I think that it became really evident for me too by the gatekeeping done by people who thought I was just being a big baby by being negatively affected by things that happened at the conference. Um, I will say it, CDC is for white people and it is for white men. And it's it's heartbreaking to say it because, you know, again, the, the past years I've had were really great, but this year was not for people like me. And it was not for people who were worried about Tennessee legislation, um, you know, I, I wore a gay themed t-shirt every day. And the last day I was there um, was intimidated by a very large brewer for wearing my gay t-shirt. So I know I wasn't supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the fact that um, the problematic piece that I think just effectively broke me was that, that sem- you know, that session called Privilege as Your Leadership Superpower. Um, yeah, I, you know, before we I, dive into that, I, I want to set it up a little bit more just because uh, for those who didn't get a chance to attend the conference, there there was this panel uh, or, or, or a session rather that, again, remind me the name of it again, uh, Privilege is your, uh, as, as, your, your as, leadership as your leadership superpower. Yeah. yeah. And it was led by a heterosexual white woman, um, didn't have any other participants in the panel. Um, I, I remember, um, you know, unfortunately I had to meet with a client during that time, but I remember. Fortunately. Uh, yeah, fortunately. Um, I remember afterwards, w- one of the most memorable aspects of the weekend was, you know, a, bu- a good, good buddy of mine who I hadn't known. He, he, he wasn't traditionally from the beer world. He was a, he was a writer for porch drinking for a while. He's now working for the, for a, a beer organization. And um, this was his first time attending the conference. And again, heterosexual white male. Um, and he he said to me afterwards, um, you know, I just attended this this session and it was really bizarre. And and oh. coming from someone of his, you know, he's not he's not someone who I see on the front lines, you know, like trying yeah. to defend DEI initiatives. He's you know he's definitely forward thinking in that sense. But like to hear it from from him of saying like I felt really uneasy. He, he, he said he felt uncomfortable coming out of that. Uh, it, it, 
I think that alone spoke to how out of place that session was. And I think that, you know, I mean, there's there's been a lot of stories to explain it and clarify it. Um, part of the stance from the, the BA is that she was formerly the DEI consultant for a very large group of companies. And it's like, so what? <laughs> just just because you work in DEI doesn't mean you're good at it. Um, <laughs> I worked in I worked in finance for like 12 years and I'm a general math student and an English major. Just because I did it doesn't mean I'm great at it. Um, <laughs> I was good enough that I didn't get fired. And occasionally someone was like, good job. But like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just, it's such a weird thing to be like, well, she did this thing. And it's like, and... So I think that, you know, having that um, and just like the the way that people rush to defend her. Mm. Um, and it, I'm wasn't, not it wasn't so so much of like, tell us why you felt this was uncomfortable. Tell us why. Yeah, it was weird. Like a lot of people who are friends of mine were like, she's a really good person. And I was like, I don't think that's the point right now. I think yeah. that the, the fact that that, you know, it got greenlit. She stood behind what she was saying. Um, I went foolishly because I thought it was going to be a little bit tongue-in-cheek and be like you're an idiot like no this is not your like you know use it to like make tangible change um but I feel like there was this weird rushing to like defend a white woman for what she did and what she believed in Mm. and a lot of people were like you know hey Ren you should reach out to her and it was like why why (laughs) you know like so I think that it's not it's not your responsibility. Yeah, to... but I feel I feel like that, you know, the the big piece for this, you know, two weeks out, and I'm I feel like I'm still processing it. Yeah. Um, but the big thing that I took away is that we are still willing to to defend certain groups of people because she put the effort in. And like too bad that your feelings were hurt. Maybe you need a tougher skin. Like, you know, these are things I'm hearing from people. And it's like, I'm a black woman who travels to countries where I'm not welcome all the time like my skin's pretty tough sure but like if I've been invited to talk somewhere and this is what happens before my talk like so I think that you know part of part of that was that there isn't an open conversation about it because again it was really easy for the board to be like we didn't get a formal complaint uh it was hard to make a formal complaint I didn't know who to talk to I'm also not a BA member um, and much like my tattoo says, not my circus, not my monkeys. So I'm kind of in the setting of boundaries and like self-preservation mode right now because it's it's not worth my health to try and point out a thing that they should have known. Mm. Um, I do want to do like a major shout out to Lady Justice Brewing. They took time to like write a giant open letter um, yeah explaining their situation and their experiences at the conference and it was one of those moments where I wish a lot of other breweries did it but everyone just says that they don't have time and it's like you didn't you didn't have to write the the letters that they wrote Uh, they have footnotes it was amazing but like if you had said something because there's a lot of people now walking around being like but I'm an ally and I believe in diversity and it's like this is this was your one moment to just be like this was weird and Mm -hmm. to formally say this was weird. Mm -hmm. And like, not a lot of people did it. So now, you know, as we're kind of wading through the like aftermath and the burn building of it all, the BA is completely right in them saying, well, we didn't get a lot of complaints. Mm -hmm. And if we didn't get a lot of complaints, what do you want us to do about it? And so I think that people need to understand that this was kind of the moment. It was almost the missed call to action. Mm -hmm. 
where people said, it sounds dumb, I'm not going, and then just ignored what came up out of it, um, which I would say is disappointing, but I would also say that it's craft beer, that we get too bogged down by pieces and get, you know, we're, and rightfully so, we're worried about keeping the doors open and the lights on and like, you know, staff employed. But if you have staff members who are secretly transgendered or secretly were thinking about coming out to you and you post that you had a great time at CBC in Nashville, Tennessee, your staff members don't trust you. Sure. And you'll always wonder why, you know, the LGBTQ plus community doesn't stick around in your brewery the way they used to. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like if you can't just be a decent human, think of like financial implications of it, which I hope that there are a lot. You know, and so I think that that this this whole thing, um, I mean, it taught me a lot. <laughs> it's, you know, it taught me a hell of a lot. Um, but it also showed me that the people who weren't afraid to speak out were already the people who weren't afraid to speak out. Mm-hmm. And my fear is that they're going to get tired and they're going to get burned out like the rest of us. And we're going to go back to what craft beer was 10 years ago. And it wasn't, it wasn't a good it wasn't good 10 years ago. You know, that's when I started. Yeah. Um, and and I, I don't know how I stuck it out. And I thought it was getting better. But seeing something on such a major stage be handled so badly tells smaller organizations that it's okay to do this. Mm. Because someone's going to stick around and the person who sticks around is part of the majority. Totally. Well, I think, you know, the, and, and, and again, I, I want to, I don't want to just poo-poo the entire thing, the entire response, because I do think that, you know, I've seen, uh, you know, several journalists who have spoken out on this. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, by, you know, that's part of the reason why we wanted to have you on for the podcast is because, you know, I think this is really important that we do share that, you know, this, this was not okay. This was not an okay situation. And, yeah. and I mentioned that at the beginning of this, it, it really did feel like an inflection point because, it's still surprising that the the governing body of craft beer still allows this to happen and yeah. still allows such a such a important part of their membership to feel this way and to feel unwelcome to feel unsafe to to feel like this isn't a home for them and yeah. you know the fact that craft beer was founded on this ideal of uh, creating community and, and welcoming others and and not being like a, the corporate entity that that beats people down. It, I thought we were past this. I thought that we, yeah. I thought that we were moving and at least moving in the right direction. But it really did feel like a major setback to setback to me. I I feel that we were already there, and I think it was just kind of waiting for that like powder keg moment. Mm. Um, you know, I, I'm not I'm not doing a lot of talking about about CBC. Um, you know, right now my rule is I only talk to friends about it. So <laughs> it's like because it's hard, right? And yeah. I mean, obviously, like you as a person of color, you also know it. Like, um, but I think that we have to understand that craft beer is greatly flawed, like most industries. Mm. Um, you know, we we talk about us being better than than the like macro. We're not. Um, I think that at the end of the day, we have to remember that 
this isn't a hobby. Like this is, you know, people's livelihoods and getting bought out by like AB InBev, you know, it sucks for your fanboys, but like, Hey, now it means that you can like pay your mortgage. <laughs> um, you know, and I think that again, like going back to the, like, it was capitalism all along. I think we need to stop thinking that craft beer is special because yeah. it's not, it's not special. Like, sorry. Uh, you know I mean? Even the story of like, home brewer does good and opens like large space it's like pick another industry like you know like someone who really loves bikes opens like an amazing series of bike stores like and I think that the 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 issue is that we suffer from this like precious syndrome where we're special and we think we're different and it's like we're not and the thing that we think makes us different is that we have this community and that we're like good to each other, but we're proving time and time and time again that we are wretched. Mm. And seeing, you know, the BA put out the statement, but like again, and it, it kills me to even be like, yeah, there were some good points in it. Um, no one spoke out in enough ways that they were just like, hold up, now we can look at it. And I think that tells you that at the end, people are worried about their businesses in ways that it's like, you don't get it. You shouldn't worry about your business. Like, who's going to stop coming to your business? Like, Bob the racist? Like, (laughs) darn. I mean, he spends a hundred bucks. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just these things where it's like, and I get, like, I get why people hate me because I'm like, you're not special. Like, your mom might tell you you're special. Cool. My mom thinks I'm special too. Like, whatevs but you're running a business and mm. your business is based on liquid that people consume. True. And if you are telling people that you're not going to protect them and you're not going to speak up for them, then I hope you choke on your liquid because that's not how it works. Yeah. Like, and I'm not asking people to do these like massive protests, like just write an email and be like, yo, this wasn't cool. That's it. That's all mm. you have to say, or, you know, talk to the right people or send an email to a board member and be like, is it you I send the email to instead of sitting in the corner being like, whatever, snowflake, like, you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Like you want to keep your business going. You want to have as many people as possible enjoying your, your beverage. Mm-hmm. You're cool with a bunch of people being left out and being hurt. Like again, craft beer is becoming a gated community very quickly. For sure. So I just, yeah, I think that that for me, it was kind of that moment and just, you know, and of course, like the irony of it, um, my presentation on the Tuesday before I went home was about mission, vision and value statements and telling people the importance of what you believe in and like, you know, doing this at a conference where the conference itself broke its own value statements, mm. like the day before, and, you know, and the morning before. So I don't know. I just, I think that we have a really long way to go, but we'll forever have a long way to go. We're never going to nail this. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a very wise friend of mine who is an indigenous home brewer has always said to me, do the good now in hopes that it'll affect seven generations from now. Mm. And so that's what I'm doing. So I know it's going to be real cruddy for a real long time, but if I work my tail off and try to set something and talk about it and take the trolls and take the like naysayers and take the whatevers and take the hits then hopefully in like 150 years someone's gonna be like do you remember what old lady ren went through uh isn't that weird that we could even think that it would be like that 
Um, but yeah, I just, I think the conferences really need to like take a pause and, and take a look, like a real look and put things forward to their membership and explain that if stuff goes pear-shaped, here's how you deal with it. And not just like third-party reporting for violence or harassment, because that was there, right? Like that mm. was totally there. Like kudos that not me was on site. But what I went through was not a not me report. So I think it that didn't every... cover all of the bases of well, I mean, because not me is you don't use it to be like the conference itself was the problem, right? <laughs> like it's a like <laughs> So I think, you know, so that's like my thing where it's like set up how do i how do i report this whole thing <laughs> yeah how do i report you to you um yeah. so i think that there's yeah there was just like a lot of things that that could have happened a little bit better and i'm just bummed because like you know the wednesday was filled with fantastic talks and i didn't yeah. get to see any of them because i left a day early um so you know in the end i felt pretty punished because it was like i had to pay to get out early i you know, had it had a room that just stayed empty for the night. Um, and it's not a like poor me moment, but it's just like it's one less black person on site. So you can be like, there aren't as many black people as we were hoping. Uh yeah. so, you know. Uh I I, I want to talk a little bit about because you know, we, we have this kind of a conversation of saying, like, all right, here's some of the things that went wrong. But one of the things that you and I talked about while we were there was the contrast of feelings in attending some of the external events. Yeah. Um, you know, the the Pride Pride Night that was hosted on, on Sunday night, uh, hosted by Beers for Everyone. Uh, I heard similar sentiments about you know the folks who attended the women's arm wrestling event. Tell me a little bit more about how and I, you you attended the Pride Night, correct? I did. Tell me a little bit about how events like that can you know, have succeeded in creating those safe spaces and succeeded in, you know, living out the value statements that you hoped the BA would have put into place? Yeah, I think that, you know, both were, and I, I'm pretty sure that both were actually created in response to being in Tennessee mm. and, to, and to having those moments. I know that definitely beers is for everyone was, I know that Lindsay, so both Lindsay's uh, for beers for everyone and then Lindsay Barr, um who did the the Brewster's arm wrestling you know that money was going to um the arm wrestling money was going to uh abortion funds in Tennessee mm -hmm. so they raised like ten thousand dollars you know like tickets were 10 bucks like yeah. it just it just tells you right like people were ready um and then the beers for everyone night which was the pride night um was obviously set up in response so you know so there were like special pins made up and there was you know, a lot of um, charitable moments to it, but there was like some heartbreaking stuff. You know, there was, uh, if you got there early, there were security whistles and like some noisemaker things. So if you were walking alone, you had something to keep mm. you safe. And it's just like, um, I've never been to a conference where we have to talk about safety, you know, mm. and, and, and they put, you know, and they, and they put out uh, Instagram posts being like, hear 10 things to do while you're at the conference to keep yourself safe and it's just like uh um but the room was electric you know it was the night of the big storm so just people are coming in they're soaked and everyone's laughing and just happy to see each other and it was a great moment to forget 
that the day had been disastrous mm. and it was great to see people just of you know all all sizes colors you know disabilities um like whatever in this room and for a few hours we just we just hung out and mm. we chatted and we caught up and you know it it was kind of that that great reminder you know there was fantastic beer there were breweries that really believed in what was happening and supported it fully um and I think that for as quickly as Lindsay got it organized it was fantastic and it was just it was for a few hours it was literally a safe space Mm. and you know I I know you might not have the answer for this immediately but how could the BA have translated that on a larger scale, do you feel? Oh, no, I almost feel like they knew it was going to be problematic, right? I mean, you can't can't go to Tennessee this time of year and be like, everything's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because they already took the stance that they weren't going to say anything, there, I don't think there was anything that they could have done because anything they did would have acknowledged that things weren't cool in the state. Mm-hmm. so I just you know I, I do I take absolute offense when people say it's a political um issue or a partisan issue um, my life is not political I'm kind of boring you know I'm a little old lady but I want to be able to feel that I'm welcome in a space or at least can be somewhat safe mm-hmm. um, and if you tell me that that's political then you tell me that you don't care if I live or die and it always sounds so extreme but it's true um, and so I, I, I hate that that was their stance and, you know, part of me gets it, but I don't have to accept it. And I don't, I think that it's a, it's a really cruddy way to go, um, and sidestep the issue. So I don't think there was anything that they could have done. Uh, no, I don't want to spend this entire podcast fully discounting all the work that the BA has done, because I do think that, you know, they have made some you know, efforts in the diversity, equity, inclusion space over the last decade. And I think the hiring of Dr. J, uh, Nicole Beckham, as their equity and inclusion partner has been incredibly important. I think she's done such tremendous work in better educating BA members and, you know, talking about, you know, how to, you know, make your breweries in more inclusive spaces. Uh, you know, they've created grants for, for folks of diverse backgrounds to write about diversity in beer, created resource hubs, um, you know, cre- even just thinking of creating the Thrive Conference, I know we had our, our problems with it, but I, I think, you know, some of those are steps in the right direction. But how do you feel the BA could be more proactive as a whole? I think you need more than one Dr. J. I think that that, you know, she's one of the hardest working women in beer mm-hmm. and she is running a lot for a very large organization. Yeah. And I think if she left tomorrow, the BA wouldn't have a lot to be like, they do this great thing. I think most mm-hmm. of it's her, um, which tells you that yes, it's important, but it's not important enough. Um, and I think that that is a piece that they need to beef up because it doesn't have to be its own standalone, right? Like uh, clearly defined diversity and and it doesn't have to just be color and socioeconomics. Um, a lot of us, regardless of our, our race are, in, you know, not in great socioeconomic spots um so I think that you know something like that and being bigger about it but it also just tells you that 
if not talking about issues as political and partisan, then why do you have a DEI committee? Why do you have a DEI board and a team when that's the stuff they're working toward and working to make it a space? So it's like, figure out what you want to talk about. Like, what's mm-hmm. your stance? Um, but I, yeah, it's definitely like a huge hat tip to her. I think that she's made some really huge changes. And I think that, you know, the board works hard, but I think that there is a lot of room for improvement. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's always hard to say, like, you should do this and you should do this. Um, I, I think that it definitely needs to be beefed up and I think it needs to be applied into a lot more spots within within the organization. Yeah. Now, you know, if, talking a little bit about kind of the, the, the CBC week and continuing that conversation, I feel like another weird wrinkle in, in the week, and, and I know that this was after you had left, but the, the fact that Founders Brewing ended up winning medals at World Beer Cup, and I think, uh, you know, especially at the timing of it, where, you know, it, Founders had, had just, it had just been kind of brought up to the surface that, you know, they were closing their their Detroit location, and the 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 fallout of that was the fact that they had still failed to address critical accounts of racism that were were still persistent in their workplace after, uh, you know, m- you know, several years uh, where you know they had had issues with this on a repeated basis, and the fact that they were still allowed to to participate in in the World Beer Cup competition that they were able to win medals really rub people the, the wrong way. Do, do you feel like, you know, and, and I guess this is a, this is going back to our initial kind of delineation of what is the place of the BA? Are they, uh, are they trying to make this an inclusive space for all their members or are they purely just, you know, the governing body that organizes, you know, lobbies and, and creates, uh, you know, educational opportunities um, but doesn't put the members, you know, safety and, and welfare at, at the forefront. Where, where do you feel like that plays into this whole situation? Yeah, I think it's a it's a tricky one. I mean, you know, Founders is on their second or third lawsuit. Um, but I think that some of this is where membership steps up and says, hey, BA, why is Founders here? Yeah. Um, I think that it's back to that whole thing, right? Like, yes, the BA itself is not saying anything. But if you as a member are like, this is weird, write your email yeah. and say, this is not cool. Um, but it's amazing how many people just don't know what's happening with founders and just don't care. Like back to this whole gated community. And it's like, yeah, but they have, you know, their their DEI consultants or two black guys who've been doing it for like 30 years. So obviously they're working on it. And it's like, just because you have them in the space doesn't mean you're successful. And we know they're not successful because we're going through this again. And I think that, you know, it's, it's, I mean, if the BA's got values and codes of conduct, like there's got to be some way to hold members accountable. Um, You know, I I just, I I think it's, it's tricky because I'm sure, you know, like half the board's like volunteers and stuff but it's like work something into it so that your members then know that like hey it's actually not on us we just like run stuff but if you have a problem here's what you do yeah and i think that here's what you do piece is missing i if it's you have a problem with this and the you know values are being broken 
here's who you email, here's who you call. Mm. But instead, we just all, you know, we all take to Instagram or we take to Twitter and we do these things. And we're just screaming into the wind about how problematic Founders continues to be. I mean, like, what's next? BrewDog going to win, like, Brew of the Year for the States? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, we're just at this point where it's like, if you're problematic, like, we may as well just give you biscuit, rub you on the back and tell you it's going to be okay. Like, I just (laughs) feel like I don't get it. Um, But I think that it's just, it's not clear. And it's, you know, I can appreciate that it is a massive organization, but, like, tell people how to do things and don't bury it into, like, a member handbook or it's, like, on page, like, 18 of your crappy website. Um, I mean, their website's not that bad, but, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, sure. Like, but it's got it's to be clear. Like, people are obviously, like, at this point, very upset. So, like, here's your moment to be like, hey, we actually have a reporting spot. We have a person to reach out to. Here's the thing and just send it out to everyone. You have an Instagram account. Don't just ignore what's happened and then just put up, you know, pictures of new things coming up. Um, You know, they shut down comments at points. Just take the moment and explain. Like here, we're reposting our code of conduct. If you feel that we've broken it or someone who's a member has broken it, here's who you reach out to. Yeah that's it like it, it it can't be any easier and that step is not being taken so we're just all running in circles screaming about how this sucks because it sucks you bring up an interesting point there because i feel like so often and and this is not just I, i'm not just focusing in on the ba i think this is as a societal kind of nature uh where we, we try to do all of these steps because we feel like this is what's going to move the conversation forward when sometimes just doing the basics of saying like, here's how you can, here, you know, here's how you can tell us to, to, to do better, you know, like yeah. just creating the avenues for conversation can go a long way. Am I correct? Yeah. And I think that a lot of, a lot of groups and a lot of organizations in like Canada, I'm looking at you, um, you can learn from this and and understand that it's not perfect and like don't tell me it's volunteer run like you volunteered for it <laughs> you know it's if you're on the board third year running and you're still a volunteer like suddenly you can't be like whoa i don't get paid then don't do it yeah. um but, but then ask people how do we make it easier for those who are volunteers like you obviously said yes because you believed in something so mm. just make it easier make it clear um It'll take you an hour to write it. It doesn't even have to be that great. <laughs> like, just if this happens, do this. Yeah. Reference this. Done. For sure. Well, you know, I, I know that you've gone through a lot these last few weeks, but for those who uh, maybe listen to this podcast and might find that they, you know, might need some help on the DEI space, how can they get in contact with you? What kind of services do you offer? Uh, tell us a little bit more about how beer diversity can help the beer the beer industry as a whole. Uh, I can help you write your value statements. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm doing like policies and procedures. Uh, I'm actually working on my HR management certificate, so I can do a lot of the HR stuff. Mm. Um, I think that you know, just how do I talk to staff? How do I do job postings? What the what's the language I should use? Um, how do I talk to diverse patrons within an area that I don't know enough people, you know, within, how do I deal with the problems? What do I do when I get it wrong? 
uh, you know, so there's just a few of the things that I do. Uh, you can check out my Instagram account, which is beer underscore diversity. There is a contact us button on there. Use it. You'll email me. Uh, or you can go to the website, which is beer-diversity.com. Um, yeah, and drop me a line and, and we can figure it out. But um, yeah, there's there's a ton of stuff I do. I just, you know, I mean, it's, I think that with the evolution of things and how we we work online and how we're, we're trying to get used to being back into everyone's spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's a lot to talk about. Sure. Well, Ren, uh, I, I want to say a big thank you for taking the time um, and taking the mental capacity to, to, to join us <laughs> on, on the show today. Um, bummed that our, our, both of our, my co-hosts expressed uh, that they were really bummed that they couldn't join. Uh, Brian Vanderweerd, I know, I know that you've probably worked with him in the past and he was, incredibly incredibly bummed that he couldn't join but um you know this this meant a lot to to get to hear your perspective and um you know hopefully hopefully we can encourage uh people to write out to the ba and and you know voice their opinions because i think that that is important i think it's important to to share that you know this was not all right and that we would love change to occur and that you know we can do better um so a big thank you to you for for you know speaking out and um, I can't wait for the next opportunity where I hopefully can give you a big hug in person again. So good. Yeah. Thanks buddy. Well, uh, I'm going to continue on. You can drop off from the, from the show, but I, I do want to take a moment to, um, to kind of talk a little bit about something else that's been kind of a bummer lately. Uh, thanks Ren. Thanks for joining us. Um, uh, I, I do want to touch on, uh, you know, a, a close friend of the show and a close friend of the podcast, um, Alex Kidd, who many folks know from Don't Drink Beers, um, announced that he, uh, has been beset by stage four colon cancer. And, uh, you know, we're, we're st- standing in here to, to fight with him and, um, you know, we, we really want him to do better before we get into details about kind of steps that you as listeners can take to support Alex. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors. Um, you know, we talked about HR just before, but a, a big shout out to the payroll department who has been proud to serve Colorado's many craft brewers for 30 years with integrated payroll, timekeeping, HR solutions, benefits, and paperless onboarding. The friendly and helpful team at the payroll department can take care of your business while you focus on doing what you do best, making good beer. With the payroll department's new easy-to-use app and online platform, your days of waiting through paperwork are over. You and your employees can easily access all of your information right at your fingertips. Each brewery in your state is crafting something unique that brings together community and makes this place feel like home. Don't let payroll and HR take you away from your passion. The payroll department is here to help. For more information, email marketing at payrolldept.biz or visit them online at payrolldept.biz. Alrighty. Um, so once again, back to um, Alex Kidd. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the fact that he uh, is, is currently uh, diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Um, you know, we, uh, Alex has, has done so much for the community, including, um, you know, fundraising efforts within uh, the social justice scene, you know, segueing from what we just talked about. Uh, he raised over uh, $65,000 for uh, the families of Breonna Taylor, Elijah McClain, um, George Floyd, uh, all within the span of a week. And uh, he did so by putting together a fundraising raffle, uh, reaching out to breweries to donate bottles of beer 
and allowing those who donated to those families to submit receipts to be entered into raffles for rare beers. So, um, you know, in showing our solidarity with Alex and encouraging his, uh, you know, swift recovery, uh, we've teamed up with um, a couple of incredible folks within the industry, um, including um, Tom from It's uh, Stout, It's Always Stout Season, and, and Melody from the uh, Barley Wine uh, Group to 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 you know to really step up and 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 host a collaborative uh, raffle uh, on uh, with with all of the the funds going to support um, Alex's and Alex's family's recovery fund. Um, so. Uh, right now, we've begun reaching out to breweries uh, for breweries who uh, may want to donate a couple of rare bottles to to the raffle to the fundraiser. They can reach out to us, uh, reach out to me directly, Tristan at porchdrinking.com. And for those who may want to offer up something from their sellers, um, you can reach out to. Uh, let me pull that up real quick. here what is that email address for the general public um, oh there it is alex kid fundraiser at gmail.com once again that's alex kid fundraiser at gmail.com for those who wish to donate from their personal sellers and uh for those uh who are within the the brewery side if you'd like to offer up um items to participate in the fundraiser uh shoot me an email tristan at porchdrinking.com and uh, we'll kick that off here very shortly. As a teaser, we're hoping to get the fundraiser live, um, the, the raffle details live on June 5th, and then uh, entries will be accepted until June 18th. And all you have to do is donate $10 uh, to Alex Kids Fundraiser, Alex Kids Recovery Fund Fundraiser on GoFundMe, and uh, you'll be entered, and, and then submit your receipt to us, and you'll be entered to, to participate into the raffle. Um, Alex, you know, uh, has been such a tremendous force for this industry. Um, he's behind uh, the Malt Couture podcast, um, Barley Wine is Life uh, community group, um, and and truly some of the one of one of the most prolific writers. Um, I, even though his platform is is on is mainly Instagram based, he's truly one of the more prolific beer writers um, over the past ten years that I've seen and. Uh, he's done incredible work in the social justice space, but also just done great work in supporting great beer. So, you know, we talk about this being uh, the craft brewing industry coming coming from a place of community. This is truly an opportunity to step up and support one of our community members. And uh, we wanted to give back for all that he's done for not only us, but for the craft beer community as a whole. So find out more. Uh, we'll be posting all details on porchdrinking.com. Uh, be sure to follow us there. Um, a big thank you once again to Ren Navarro of Beer Diversity uh, for joining us on the show, having the difficult conversation. And um, uh, we want to thank you for tuning in to episode 105 of the Porchcast. We'll be back with our uh, full team of co-hosts as we uh, are joined by Atraveda uh, Brewing, uh, Atraveda Beer, on June 19th. And we're hoping to also squeeze in a conversation with Left Hand Brewing uh, shortly thereafter. Uh, for, for those of you who enjoyed this conversation and want to hear more, be sure to follow us on all of your listening devices, iTunes, Stitcher, um, Apple, Apple, uh, uh, Spotify, uh, be sure to, to subscribe to the Porchcast, and, um, feel free to leave us a comment as well. This has been episode 105 of the Porchcast. We'll check you later.